Oh, you're in for a treat today. Brandt is back. Best-selling author, radio host, raconteur. He's a funny guy with a quirky sense of humor who gets us to think more deeply about life. And after reading his new book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, which releases today, I can honestly say... I never want to get on a motorcycle with him, nor do I want to play burnout with a softball. (laughs) You'll find out why straight ahead. And I hope you will listen to some of his stories about his work with Cure International. Brandt's story is evidence of the truth of the quote I often use from Frederick Beatner: The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Brand Hansen, straight ahead at the Radio Backyard Fence. Welcome to our daily excursion we call Chris Fabry Live online, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks to our team, Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer, Gabby T. You'll be answering your calls today. Thanks for your support during January. We have two weeks left for you to do two things at the same time. One, support this program so that we can continue the daily excursion. And two, resurrect a dead prayer life. I don't know anybody who says, boy, my prayer life is just fantastic. It couldn't be better. All of us struggle at some level. And I encountered today this challenge from Dr. Bill Thrasher. He says, each day be open to what God desires you to trust him for. So the prayer, uh, it's a great prayer. God, what is it in my life right now that you want me to trust you for? And perhaps that worry, that anxiety that you have can be outsourced to him, while at the same time, your trust and your faith will increase. We're going to talk about that outsourcing things, uh, outsourcing your worries with Brant today. But let me send you Dr. Thrasher's book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Call and give a gift of any size, 866-953-2279. Or go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. It would sure be encouraging to hear from you today. Become a Backfence friend or a partner by calling 866-95-FABRY or go to chrisfabrylive.org. Brand Hansen is a best-selling author, syndicated radio host, and advocate for healing children with correctable disabilities through Cure International Children's Hospitals. He's written several books. We've talked about some of them here, including Unoffendable, The Men We Need, Blessed Are the Misfits, and others. He and his wife, Carolyn, live in South Florida. And in fact, if you are in or near Palm Beach Gardens, he's going to be at the Barnes & Noble tonight at 6 o'clock on PGA Boulevard. I know because I saw it on Facebook. His latest releases today, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing real joy in a world gone mad. Brant, welcome back. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Thank you so much for making time for me again. Honored. Again, that word. We'll have you back here anytime. I hear from people every time you come on, have, have him on more often. And <laughs> that's, so, that's wild. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Okay, so here's what I took from the book uh, this is about joy, this is about taking the pain of life that we're given and not letting it keep you from the goodness of God. That's, that's what I would put over it. But here's what I yeah. walked away with. The value of being a participant rather than simply an observer of life, to be fully engaged with life as it is right now, rather than taking a picture of it, staying 
staying back from life and living? Respond to that. Yeah, um, I think a lot of that comes from anxiety. Like it's very difficult for us to be in the moment in the day. And I've had to work at this uh, big time. But when Jesus is saying we don't need to be worried, he's not being unrealistic. He's not crazy. He's not dumb. He's a genius. He's he, he made us. When he's saying we can be like the birds of the air, we can. And a lot of that is just, pray. well, there's, there's a lot. And we can talk about how to go about doing that. But to, but to be engaged in your life, like just for today, ask God to give you the resources you need for today. That's what I do. I'm not thinking about next week or a year from now. And I know that's counterintuitive. A lot of people are like, you need to have this big plan and big vision for you. Okay, that's okay. But actually, when Jesus is like, just pray for your daily bread, that's for your resources for today. And so like for me, Chris, as an introvert who has to be on the radio or whatever, I'm like, God, please give me the words. Let me be a blessing to people today. Like I don't have the content I need. I'm starting from zero. I'm out walking my dog and I'm praying this stuff. And uh, I need social energy. There's certain things I need, but just for today. And that way of life is so lighthearted and freeing. So you're just like, God, I'm going to please let me be faithful with whatever comes across my path and whoever today, that's it. This is a much better way to live. And it's actually the way that he's telling us how to live. I'm convinced mm-hmm. of it because it's, it's like this daily thing instead of being like this big, having this big vision. Just like, no, I'll let you have the vision. God, please make a way for me in life. Please make a way for my kids, make a way for my wife. But you make the way and let me just be faithful with what's in front of me right now. Kind of like the flashlight. Uh, metaphor that I have enough light to see for the next few steps and that's all I need. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's just, again, it's, it's a more childlike faith. It's, and it's not unrealistic. If you actually trust the character of God, you may have questions, things that have happened in your life. You may wonder why this happened or that. I, I get it. But overall, if you can say, you know what, God's actually been good to me. Looking back, he's been faithful. I I can trust his character. That changes everything. That means that God, you could you can take care of next week. You're already there. Like we can, I can just partner in life with you, and I can I can tell you what I need, and I can tell you what I'm grateful for, and let you handle it. And it's off my plate. It's not my department. I'm not going to worry about it. This is a realistic way to live. People will tell you it's not. They'll tell you you're supposed to be worked up about whatever's in the news that day. It'll be a constant crisis mode for everybody. But if you live this way, you will be at peace, which is something nobody else has, honestly, in our culture. You can look around. People are not at peace. So this is this is a way to really stick out in a wonderful way. In a world gone mad. There's a, uh, there's a part of the book, and I just kind of copied and pasted these things from the book in here, and I want to read some of them to you. But one of them talks about that very thing and how people— can get angry at you for not being worried about what they're worried about. Right. And, um, and that's kind of what in a world gone mad, the subtitle experiencing real joy in a world gone mad. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance is by Brant Hansen. It comes out today. It's our featured resource at Chris Go to Chris Fabry Live, uh, go to today's information. You'll see it right there. More with Brant straight ahead on Moody Radio.
We are talking with best-selling author, syndicated radio host, Brant Hansen today. A lot of the stories in this new book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, come from his work with Cure International Children's Hospitals. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, I mentioned there was a book signing. When you hear that, when you have to be in public, because if you're writing or if you're doing radio, you can be away from the public. Does it scare you to do a book signing with people? Um, a little bit, but I'm, I've gotten better about this. And that is just realizing, well, I love what Dallas Willard said. I put this in the book too about Jesus. Cause somebody asked him, like, can you describe Jesus in one word? And the word he picked was shocking. That's not the word shocking, but the word he picked was shocking to me. And he said, relaxed. And I love that. Jesus is relaxed. That's true. He's in the moment. So like that woman comes out of the crowd, he's in a big crowd and a woman touches the hem of his garment and then he's just laser focused on her. And that approach really helps me just thinking, I'm so honored that somebody wants to meet me. And someday they they won't, right? I mean, no one's going to want me to sign everything forever or whatever. This too shall pass. But in the moment, my words, God used them and allowed me to be a blessing to somebody. Honestly, that is such a big honor. So if I just focus on one person like a laser and just be with them. It's cool. Honestly. And it, it, it's actually enjoyable. I found. Yes. Even though, even though, uh, tell people for those who've never heard Brant Hansen before heard about you, who is Brant Hansen? Uh, well, I'm from Illinois originally, small towns. My dad was a pastor and very fundamental background, uh, a lot of preaching. And, uh, so I grew up in that environment very intensely I think I moved 17 times before I graduated high school. And a lot of it was because um, we switched churches. We, we moved here, moved there. Eventually, my parents got divorced. They remarried each other, and they got divorced again uh, as I was growing up. And I went through a lot of trauma in the household because of the stuff my dad was doing, honestly. And uh, it was pretty harrowing, pretty horrifying. And, uh, and people would say... From the outside, like, oh, your dad's such a great man of God. And they don't know. You know, people are very easily impressed by stage stuff. They don't know. So a lot of that has formed my faith and how I approach things. I don't want to say anything on the air, including right now or in a book, that I don't mean. And I th- I think um, I think that comes off. Like, I think people can tell there's something about that. I don't want, I want to eschew any narcissistic impulses I have as best I can. Um, and I don't want it to be showtime, anything I'm saying or doing. So I think that um, that's actually an asset in doing radio or, or something. Like it, it can kind of just jump through that, wait, this guy actually means what he's saying. <laughs> so, and this, that's just kind of a reaction to stuff I've been through. The other thing is it's, it's, brought me to embrace like working with cure. So you can imagine somebody who's skeptical by nature, who's gone through all this religious stuff, like what could have happened. But what has happened is seeing stuff like what cure does where kids are healed and their parents are told about the kingdom of God. And there's like tears of joy literally every day in these hospitals. It looks like Jesus to me. And so I get really excited when I see his kingdom actually breaking through. And it's it's not a show it's not it's not about any one individual or anything it's actually healing 
like there's a little glimpse of heaven. It's like an advanced trailer of heaven. That's what I call it. When you see a kid healed who can now run and jump and play. So I love getting to see that and getting to talk about it. So I'm like, here it is. Here's the kingdom I've been looking for and it's breaking through and it's real and it's that it's better than you think. So I love that part of it. There's a point you say that you don't, you don't aren't emotional real easy. You don't, that doesn't come to you, but there was a moment when you were in the operating room of one of the hospitals and uh-huh. you saw just the the feet of the patient, and you knew that that I think it was Elizabeth. You knew her from the day yeah. before, type of thing. Talk yeah. about that. I had I had played with her at the hospital, and there's so many kids. They do it's just this one hospital in Zambia that I was at at the Cure Hospital. They do about I don't know, it's fifteen, twenty, twenty five surgeries a day. And I just had stopped in later that week to watch it, and I stood in the OR. And it was this girl I'd been playing with a few nights before, a couple of nights before, and twirling around. And the sweetest little thing. I could just see her little legs sticking out as they were prepping her. She was asleep on the table. And I, I didn't even know who she was at all. And I asked the doctor, okay, who do we have here? He said, this is a five-year-old girl named Elizabeth. And I realized, this is Elizabeth. I was just giggling with her. And she's asleep on the table. And I asked the doctor, what would happen to her if she doesn't get this surgery? And he said, Elizabeth would be everyone's victim for the rest of her life. Her legs were twisted and she was considered cursed. So he was just describing what her life would be like. And then they all stop. This is what they do at these hospitals. They all stop as this child is asleep and they're all ready. They're prepped. They're ready to go, ready to change her life. And they pray over her. The nurses pray. The techs pray, the surgeon himself prays or herself over this little girl and about the life that she's going to have and that she'd be blessed and, not, and no longer cursed. And when you're in that room and you see that little body, you know, asleep, and you think about God's love for her and how she's, she's a queen in God's, you know, kingdom, she's royalty. I, there's something about that, I guess. Even though I'm not super emotional, I'm more like Spock, Mr. Spock, more robotic in my approach to life sometimes. But that sort of thing is uh, is it's hard to resist. It's so beautiful. That's why I even tell people who are like skeptics about Christianity. They're like, well, where's your God now? Like, hey, you know what? Once you come with me to one of these hospitals, I'll show you where he is. <laughs> You'll see it, and you're not going to be able to. You're not going to know how to respond because it's so beautiful. Yeah, and both are true. Both are true. There's a lot of awful lot of pain and a lot of injustice out there. You're not spiking that, but you're also saying there. There's both and. As a matter of fact, and that's why this is why I used the Beatner quote a little bit a little earlier because you use Beatner in your book. Um, your your own pain. Your own loneliness, diagnosis, whatever, um, mm-hmm. brought you, I think, to the intersection of the people's lives that you s- speak to, both on the radio and, and writing, and, in, and today. You write, one night I distinctly remember in the dark of the bottom bunk of this little house that uh, your, you and your brother and your mother lived after the divorce, the first one, I guess. Crying from loneliness, I didn't cry often. I didn't want my brother to hear me, but I cried and I asked God, please, please send me a friend. You didn't have anybody. No, no. And we lived in this little town. Nobody moved to it. It was a very low income, small town, uh, beautiful people, wonderful, but nobody moved there. 
the next day, see, this is the sort of story you have to rehearse because it's like, wait, God's good. If you ever wonder, like, well, no, no, no. The next day into town moved this kid. He was at Little League practice. This is a town of 900 people. No one moves there. Kids my age, he's, he's interested in the same things I'm interested in. He's way into baseball statistics. He had just gone through a divorce in his family. We hit it off. And to this day, we text each other all the time, 40 years later. I prayed a genuine, halting, it was a cry to God, but it was genuine. It was a heart cry. And the next day, I get a friend for a lifetime. I prayed for a friend. And out of nowhere, he shows up in Assumption, Illinois, this tiny town. And that's the kind of thing. I think a lot of us have stories like that. We, we forget them, though. And if you rehearse those, remind yourself of his goodness. Like, wait, he is good. I can trust him. So you're in a bad situation or you're worried about something. Like, wait, does he not have a record? Isn't there reason, like stuff in your life you can rehearse? That's why I wanted to tell that story because there's, there's a few things like that probably for people listening too. that you can go, wait, he's already demonstrated his goodness. Why am I doubting this? So I can see all the pain and the suffering and all, everything that's going on in the world. Got it. Got it. But I know more about the goodness of God. I don't know less. It's not naivete. It's actually knowing more about the world, about how good he is. And that's why we're supposed to be so hopeful that people ask us why we're so hopeful. We're supposed to have a reason for the hope that we have, it says in Scripture. We're supposed to be so weird in this culture of chaos that people are like, wait, you're hopeful? I mean, that's how we're supposed to be. It would be awesome if we were. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say in this book. Like, hey, we can have peace. We're the ones that should have this, this pervasive sense of well-being regardless of circumstances. We've got access to that. Let's not lose it. On Facebook, Brand Hansen is with us, by the way, friend. And if you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see our featured resource, his new book that releases today, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance. Uh, on Facebook, I said, if anyone has a right to deconstruct his faith, it's Brandt. But the pain of life and the hypocrites he's seen have caused him to trust God even more. Is that true? Yeah. Well, okay, so if being very skeptical. I understand asking questions of your faith. I get it. And uh, I've done that. But I really encourage, and when I'm talking to younger people, like at colleges or whatever, I'm like, make sure you deconstruct the culture too. Make sure you, you, you have that same sort of approach to asking questions about how well this culture is actually working to making people happy. People are more at peace now. Is that what's going on? No, the suicide rate's going up. Deaths of despair are going up. Drug addiction's going up. Loneliness up. Anxiety up. It doesn't work. The other thing is when you see hypocrisy in action and then you actually encounter Jesus, look at the way he deals with it. He's the only one I know who acknowledges human sin and then does something about it. No one else does. Like So when I see hypocrisy and stuff like that, it just reminds me, how thankful I am for Jesus who calls it out. The other thing is, and I, I want to talk about how beautiful the kingdom of God is. That's a, that's a theme in the book, but we can talk about that in a little bit. But on the, on the deconstruction thing, the other thing, when I'm looking at something like that in my own life, I have to ask myself, where else am I going? Who's got the words of life more than him? And I, I, don't, I, have, I don't find the alternatives compelling. I don't, I don't think they work. And um, 
I find Jesus himself to be unbelievably refreshing. Just reading the gospels, the stuff he says is like, thank you. Somebody finally makes some sense. <laughs> I mean, it's actually how I feel about it. Here's something I've noticed about these I'm leaving Christianity statements. You write something very odd. They don't mention Jesus or his kingdom. Right, right, right. Isn't that something? So I'm wondering if it's like a Christian artist or it's somebody who's been on stage for a while or something or an author. And they're like, well, I'm no longer into this scene, you know, politics, this and that. Like, wait, what about Jesus, though? Who do you think he is? Why, like, why are you in this? In the first place, because that's he's the compelling reason for me. I'm not in this for the Christian T-shirts. I'm not in it for the movies, the Christian music. I mean, there can be some good stuff, but I'm not in it for that. I'm in it for Jesus. So if you don't mention him on your way out in your manifesto, I don't understand what the point was. <laughs> I really don't. I don't get it. Like. What about the kingdom? Is it? Did you find something out about the kingdom of God that's not good? Because to me, it's the most compelling dream that everyone actually has, whether they want to admit it or not. Deep down, we're all pining for the kingdom. We all want it. You can. I'll explain. You know why I can tell. Even non-believers are desperate for the kingdom of God, and when they see it, they resonate with it. Like, but I'm not walking away from that. Like, why would I? Why would I let hypocrites have the power? And there's, there's a lot of religious, ridiculous stuff that happens. We, don't, we know that. But why would I let those people have the power to chase me away from the best relationship I could possibly have in life? Because of, because of them, I'm going to allow, I'm going to walk away from, from this. I have a loving father who wants to partner with me in life, who's patient with me, who offers me wisdom. I'm never alone because he's there. He loves, like, I'm not walking away from that. That's crazy. No way. Sorry. No matter what happens, other goofy, goofy humans can do stuff. They're not chasing me away from that. That's, that's how I think about it. Well, and part of the goofy humans, you're in your own household, you know, and your dad, and you're not, you're not saying anything mean about him. It's just he wasn't who he was, who he pretended or portrayed himself to be. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. He would, he would say that. Uh, he has a lot of regret and I, I only can say I'm thankful for everything that happened looking back. Hmm. I'm, I'm thankful because it, it winds up being a blessing. And we know that. Like we've experienced that. Probably a lot of people listening. Like something you think was bad and it turns out you're like it, – it, it may not outweigh everything that happened. I may not want to go through it ever again. Of course I don't. But I can see where God's actually taken that brokenness and made something pretty beautiful out of it. Um, so once again, uh, like, well, dad, you don't, you don't need to worry about that because those days are over and, uh, my family's solid. Things are good. I was, uh, when you said the word eschew, I thought, now I have very few guests who they probably know the word, (laughs) but they wouldn't use it. Do you remember where you first heard or read the word eschew? I think when I was a kid, I, I saw a T-shirt that just said it had said two words. It said "eschew obfuscation," <laughs> and I thought that was so hilarious when I realized. Well, I had to look up "eschew." I knew what obfuscation meant, but I was like, "Man, I got to work that into my vocab someday." I'll be on with Chris Fabry. I can <laughs> drop that. Well, see, my feeling is 
you know, I try to I try to make things as understandable as I can, and yet at some point there comes this word that it's like I can't yeah, not use yeah. this word because it's just you the know, perfect word, right? I do the same. I do the same thing. The weird thing is, my whole family's into linguistics and etymology. One, my my son got his degree in in that and whatnot. But um, when I get tired, I start dropping those words because I usually I try to filter them out so it doesn't seem all like. Oh, Mr. Big Word or whatever. Yeah. So, but if they get tired, they slip out. And I'm like, oh, I just said it's you. Well, that is that's part of it. And here's the other thing I've learned um, because I have I have a friend who uses who reads real widely, and who used uh-huh. a word and mispronounced it. And I thought, well, that's, <laughs> that's how do right. you do that? It's like if you know that word, you know. And and the the most intelligent people a lot of times will not pronounce a word correctly because they've only seen it on the page. That is exactly right. I got busted for that the other day. I can't remember what it was. What was something from Lord of the Rings? I said one of the names wrong. But I'm like, <laughs> I, but I was just reading it. How do you know all that stuff? Oh, yeah. I didn't watch the movie in the right, you know, enough. Yeah. Uh, this is a treat. I told you it was going to be a treat. Brant Hansen is with us, and the book is just as good, if not better. Life is hard. You know that. God is good. You believe that. Let's dance. Experiencing real joy in a world gone mad. And what do you do with the people who want you to be angry about what they are angry about? We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more straight ahead. This is Chris Fabry Live, 877 548 3675. If you go to org, you can hear past programs uh, from up to a year ago or maybe even longer than that. We've had some great conversations last week. Jackie O'Perry was with us last week. Rosaria Butterfield. Lee Strobel's going to be with us in a couple of days. But I want you to listen tomorrow because Jill's going to be here. She made a decision she regrets to this day. It was this huge mistake in her life. But she does not live under the condemnation of that decision that she made. Because now she has allowed that that mistake that she made, Jill Marquis, to become hope and comfort to others. She's the director of CareNet's Abortion Recovery and Care Program. And if your story includes abortion and you have lingering emotional struggles because of it, as we come up to the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, you know, that was struck down, but it still has this feeling, I want you to hear Jill's story. She's going to be with us tomorrow. And even better than that, go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. We've got a green CareNet button right there. And you can, uh, at the top, click that abortion recovery and care and find out. There's somebody you know who needs CareNet. Maybe they're in a crisis pregnancy. Maybe they're struggling in, in this issue of the emotional, lingering emotional struggles. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green CareNet button. And you can find out more. And make sure you hear tomorrow's program. Today we're with Brant Hansen. You can find out more about him at the website as well. Life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. Experiencing real joy in a world gone mad. I think that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about, especially with, you know, it's a political year. It's a, I was at a, a, 
an event on Saturday, and one of the people said, it's going to get pretty rocky here over the next few months, you know, the next 11 mm-hmm. months or so. <laughs> it's going to be a hard ride. So buckle up, you know, strap in and and trust in him rather than you being able to do all of this. But you write, I've noticed people will get angry if I'm not angry enough about the things they happen to be angry about. They think I don't care, or they think I'm naive at best. Don't you know about this crisis and that injustice and this other tragedy? What do you say about that? Yeah, um, I think we can know more, and that's the key. So, But people think you're nuts if you're not anxious, because they're like, you're just. don't you realize this thing? I just saw this on the news. You're not watching that. And every day the news is going to come at you 24-7 and breed anxiety. And we know this too. Whatever you pay attention to is what you're becoming. It determines who we are becoming. And God's really interested in who we're becoming. So I have to have my attention in a better place. But that said, there's a story in, in, uh, in Acts where Paul's on a ship. And it mentions there's like 260-some people or whatever. It has a precise number on this ship. And it's going to crash in a storm. Everybody is going to die. Everybody's convinced of it, except for one guy. So all the the, the sea captain, all the sailors, everybody who's on that ship, they're like, we're going to die. And there's one guy, and that's Paul, who's totally relaxed because God had told him, look, it is going to wreck, but everybody's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of everybody. Not one life is going to be lost. So you can imagine, here's here's my point with this. On that ship, it's being tossed. It's going to crash. Everybody's going to die. They're all freaking out. He looks like the crazy one, doesn't he? Yes. He's nuts. They'd all think that. Like, what's the matter with it? Are you naive? You just you don't know anything? Like, what, what is the problem? No, he knows more. That's the, that's the strong hand that we are dealing with here. And I liken it all the time in life. Like, yes, you can be worked up. Yes, you can be worried. But Jesus himself is in the future. God himself is in the future. He knows. And he's telling us, hey, you don't actually need to be worried. He knows more. He doesn't know less. He knows more. And I liken it to like watching a game, a replay game, where you know your favorite team wins at the at the last second. Like when you're watching it live, maybe they're behind and you're all worked up about the refs and you're worked up about the coach's decision or what this player did. But when you rewatch it, you're not worried because you know how it ends. That makes all the difference. That's the strong hand that we are actually playing with. This is the way we can actually live. So it's not saying, oh, this isn't an important issue or this is an important vote or this isn't important. It's not that. It's just knowing more. Does that make sense? Because that's is. Yeah. This is this is the thing that we can take to the bank. God is good. Every tear is going to be wiped from our eyes. He, his justice will reign. He will set things straight. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. And he's telling us, you don't need to worry. In fact, I think it's likely that in the end of our lives, like we'll be able to look back. And I think something might even hit us, maybe all at once, where we look back and go, you know what? I actually never needed to worry about anything. <laughs> okay, I got to tell you, I laughed out loud when I read in the book what you said about quicksand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So anybody who grew up in the 70s and 80s, this is true, right? Like quicksand was everywhere. It was every show. It was Dukes of Hazard. It was Happy Days. It was $6 million, man. It was like everybody constantly falling in quicksand. So as a kid, you're like, oh, man. 
I gotta be on the lookout here. What is that? What is, is that? Just mud in Illinois? Just, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna die. It's sinking this thing. The truth is, nobody dies from quicksand. It just it just isn't a thing that people die from. It's not. But when you when you're a kid, you don't realize that. Like I didn't I didn't need to worry about quicksand. Like I was told I was supposed to worry about it. I have a hunch we're gonna have that sort of a epiphany in the end where we'll be like. He was good all along, and I could trust him that I'm actually safe when I trust him. Anybody who trusts him, you're safe. Even if the worst-case scenario happens, you're still safe with him. I mean, that, that's the lesson from Jesus taking his friends out on the, on the lake, right? That was his idea, taking the disciples out there. He knows the storm's coming. He wants to be out there. He's going to go to sleep. He brings a cushion or the cushion on board. It said he goes to sleep. and then. Um, they're all freaking out. He's basically saying, you guys failed the test. Don't you realize you're okay with me? No matter what? Even if the ship goes down, you guys are fine with me. Like, that's, again, the strong hand that we're all playing with. And that's where this sense of well-being can come from, regardless of what happens. And that's why we are the people of hope, even in the midst of all this constant drumbeat of stuff. I have to... I have to say this part too because um, it's such a an integral part of your persona, uh, the ethos. It comes through the book, but it comes through the radio. You said, "Here's a secret I've learned doing radio: people starting in the field think I want to be a slick radio host, but no one actually <laughs> likes slick radio hosts. They want to hear actual humans, not someone trying to sound cool on a microphone. You have a great totally. voice, neat." That matters for about five seconds. You have a terrible voice. Right. No worries. That also matters for about five seconds. Listeners want real unsmooth humans because really what they want, and this is the, the point of this, they want friends. We all right. do. Right. And I, I'm a big fan of not being smooth. Like, cause you could do that. Honestly, wouldn't it be weird? Like remember like the FM DJs growing up, they're like, Hey, coming up in about five minutes, we got this big blah, 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 blah. It's happening. Like, don't talk to me that way. That's really strange. If somebody talked to you that way in person, you'd be like, what's the problem <laughs> what's the matter with you? But if you could just be a friend, well, now, now you're golden. Cause people don't need to be impressed by me. I want them. And we all have ego, of course. But ultimately, I want them to be impressed by how good God is and that he would even take people like me or people like you who have our quirks and our problems and our issues and still still do something beautiful with us. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great thing. That way, if someone listens instead of going, wow, that guy's really talented, they can just go, well, God will use anybody, <laughs> even me. That's what I get from the disciples, from the apostles, you know? It seems yeah. like they, they just did so many times they didn't get it. And and Jesus could have face-palmed himself all day long, but he didn't do it because he loved this process of pouring himself into them, even though they didn't get it, even though they betrayed him, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's quite deliberate. And when, when the people who God uses so consistently, it's it's amazing to me, and I wrote about this in the book too, Every time, like, movies try to show Moses, it's going to be Christian Bale, it's going to be Charlton Heston. Moses was 80 when he did all that stuff. He was 80 years old. He'd been living in the desert, remember? But Hollywood or even Christian movies cannot handle 80-year-old Moses doing this. 
we have to have some guy who's ripped and handsome and in his prime, right? Yeah. But that's not who God chooses. And people will be like, oh, David, he was he was ripped and handsome and all that stuff. God, no, no, he was the run to the litter. I mean, he turned out that way maybe, but he, God was deliberately again choosing someone that you wouldn't have normally chosen. This is such a running thing. And with the disciples as well, this is all great news for those of us who aren't all that stuff, who aren't cool. It's wonderful news. Like he uses us. In fact, he chooses and favors the humble. How about that? That's pretty cool. There's a lot of encouragement here. Brant Hansen is with us. We're going to get to the kingdom straight ahead on Moody Radio. The book is Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing Real Joy in a World Gone Mad. It comes out today, and you can find out more about it at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. I've been looking forward to the conversation with Brant today for a long time. He's written a new book, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing Real Joy in a World Gone Mad. As mentioned, it comes out today. If you're in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, anywhere near there, he's going to be at the Barnes & Noble on PGA Boulevard at 6 o'clock. Make sure you just pack the place. You don't have to buy a book. Just pack the place and freak him out because he's an introvert. Uh, Linda, Good. Linda is in Chicago. Linda, what do you want to say to Brant? I want to say that what he is saying, I can really uh, resonate with because mm-hmm. my favorite scripture is the joy of the Lord is my strength. And, and the Lord has gotten me through so many things and I know that he is so good. And mm-hmm. I just really, uh, appreciate what he's saying, and he has put that uh, in a book. Because actually, I really want to give a message, you know, <laughs> to people about how good God is, because mm-hmm. he he is. So I'm just mm-hmm. Amen. thank him for what you know what he did in writing that book. Glad you yeah. called, Linda. Thank you. I respond to that, Brant. Well, if I could fist bump, Linda, I totally would. Consider yourself fist bumped, Linda. You see me, I see you. I love that. And this is, we forget how good this good news is. I'm convinced of it. Talk about Christians. I, I don't know if we realize how beautiful it is. And this is the advantage I have of going to these hospitals, secure international hospitals. So these are kids with correctable disabilities. Sometimes it's a 17-year-old girl who's never walked before, and now she can walk. It's stuff like that. Or it's a baby's life being saved, or it's a five-year-old boy whose legs are straightened all in the name of Jesus, it gives you goosebumps when you're there. Honestly, it makes you want to cry. It's so beautiful. But it made me realize, like, God's kingdom, this is what I was trying to talk about in the book, it's so beautiful. Everybody's yearning for it, and they don't know it. But they resonate with it when they see it. And I actually have a a theory that has no scientific basis whatsoever, but I'm going to go with it anyway, a hunch. We get goosebumps when we see the kingdom in action. And what I mean by that, like if you ever watch the videos like on YouTube where like a soldier is being reunited, he like surprises his daughter in a classroom or something. You know what I'm talking about, Chris? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I'm not a particularly emotional guy, but those get me. Um, even the reunion videos where the soldier shows up and the dog goes crazy. Like that makes me, <laughs> it gets me too. 
it gives people goosebumps. Same thing with like the videos of people being able to hear for the first time or see for the first time, like see their baby or see like a, or a, a woman can hear for the first time. It gives you goosebumps. It, people get goosebumps when they watch the Olympic opening ceremonies and there's all these different nations in peace and there's this processional and you can see like my theory is we're getting glimpses of the kingdom in its fullness and we resonate with it because think about what heaven is like like the kingdom it's, it's it's people being reunited with ones that have gone before like you don't think that's gonna be a goosebump moment like a party people suddenly being able to dance and play the lame will leap like deer the deaf will hear for the first time like there's going to be a crowd of people cheering that, of people that never could walk and now they're dancing. Mm. Like this is going to be the best party ever. Or and all these nations are to get all of this stuff as a, as a harbinger. And that's why our hair stands on end when we see it, because we're made for this place. It's even people who aren't believers. They may not understand why they resonate, but that's why. Like we are made for this. So when Jesus is announcing his kingdom is arriving, He's always talking about his king. It's his favorite subject. But now my kingdom is here, and he proves it, how he heals people. He's like, this is a, a sneak preview. The kingdom is breaking through, and I can show you because now this guy can see again. This woman can hear again. This, this girl was risen from the dead. Like, see, this is how my kingdom works. It's so compelling, so beautiful. Everybody wants it. But we have to show people what it looks like and then say, this is this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's very compelling. And it's another reason, too, while some people might question their faith or go a different way, I'm like, I'm not leaving this. Mm -mm, this is too good. If it's true, if it really is true, if, if this really happened in space and time, it is, continues to happen. And it sounds like at these hospitals, there's another section you say, I will always remember a group of four teenage girls they were all victims of a rare virus, one that affects the malnourished. It severely disfigures their faces. Because of how they looked, they faced utter rejection in each of the villages where they'd lived. They were called names. They were considered cursed by demons. They spent much of their days hidden away to, to avoid embarrassment and ridicule. At the hospital, though, they found one another. They understood uh -huh. one another. They giggled and played and walked together, and they danced to they could just be girls. No more hiding. Yeah, man. And it's that that happened because of Jesus. People, his people, were his hands and feet, creating a place in space and time for them. And they, they had nothing. I thought they were the only ones that had this thing that is an awful thing that affects their faces. So they're completely humiliated, teenage girls, utterly alone. And they go to this hospital to get helped. And then they find other girls that have the same exact problem. And it's just pure joy. It's an immediate sorority, sisterhood. And they have these dance parties at that, at that hospital in Niger where I met these girls. And it's all the kids. They're in wheelchairs. They're canes, different levels of healing. Some kids you just have to hold while you're dancing. But they put on wonderful, upbeat music. And you just dance your head off, pure joy. And you look around at all these kids that have been through so much and they're giggling and dancing and healing. And I'm like, this looks like the kingdom of God to me. This is, uh, there's something really right about this. And it's an advanced trailer, I think, again, of heaven. And I, I want more of that. 
I do too. And I, uh, there's so much in here that we didn't get to talk about. Didn't get to talk about the motorcycle event and the clavicle (laughs) event. You got to get the book and read this. This is really, really good stories. But Uh, the outsourcing worry is another thing I mentioned a little earlier. That's a great chapter to, to just chew on. But I got this quote from you that you were quoting another author, James Clear, who said, you can be relaxed and dedicated. Just because you worry more doesn't mean you care more. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, is that ever true for, for all of us, right? Yeah, let's be that. Like, if, I would love for people to associate Christians with hopeful, weirdly hopeful. They want to call us weird, that's fine, but weirdly hopeful would be the thing. People who aren't given to anger, aren't given to anxiety, because they know that God's character really can be trusted for real. Brant, uh, keep doing what you're doing, friend, because it's, Thanks, there's, man. A, there's a lot of people who are responding, not, not because a lot of people respond, but because you're just being you day by day, you know, and, and I'm sure you have goals. I mean, you're probably thinking about the next thing you're going to write. It's not like you don't make goals, but you don't let that rule you, right? I don't really have any goals. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I probably should. I should. I'm going to, I'm going to write some goals down. I am. Okay. After I, I will. Responsible. Uh, thanks for your encouragement. Thanks for uh, for the, and this is not a platitude. You know, life is hard. God is good. Can be something that you throw at somebody to keep them from hurting. And and that's not what you're saying. No, you're you're really using it to motivate us toward what is true and what is hopeful and what is good. So, yeah. Uh, and even in the midst of the bad stuff, you can still have this sense of well being, regardless of circumstances. That's what I'm talking about. Shake a lot of hands tonight in Palm Beach Gardens, will you? Will do. (laughs) Tell him Chris sent you. Uh, The book is (laughs) Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing Real Joy in a World Gone Mad. Boy, do we need that, especially in a year like this when everything is swirling. It's already doing it. The news that you can see, everything is swirling around. We don't have to be drawn into that vortex And I think some of the things that Brant talks about here will help you and me do that very thing. Thanks for your support. Thanks for coming alongside us. And don't miss Jill's story tomorrow here at the Radio Backyard Fence. Chris Fabry Live's a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks a lot for listening.